up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and we're on to our third game of the week this week, which is the San Francisco 49ers win over the Miami Dolphins. This was a game that I was looking forward to to begin the week. I saw this one as a matchup of coaches and offenses that I respect uh, from a personnel and design standpoint. Uh, it's not often that I, I have an affinity for these play callers and these offenses, but you know, you have Kyle Shanahan and then his protege, Mike McDaniels on the field, calling plays. And that's what you get is you get high level offense uh, and defenses that face those high level offenses on a day to day basis. Not that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniels uh, are sharing a playbook per se, but I think we all know with the Mike McDaniel story, you know, having gone to so many stops with Kyle Shanahan and having been with him for so many years that you're going to have a pretty decent feel for, if not the plays, then the principles of the offense and what they like to do. So the fact that this game was highly contested, even with Jimmy G going out, is not surprising at all. And like I said, I've been looking forward to it for some time. Having this game along with Kansas City and the Bengals uh, and having Justin Herbert and the Las Vegas Raiders in that same window. And, and hell, let's throw in the Seahawks, too. They, they're a fun team to watch. So that second window was absolute fire. And two out of my three first games that I'm going to go over for the week are from that window. So you can you can just imagine me just hands in the air, pumping my fists. This is football. This is football. I didn't really do that, but you can imagine I was pretty excited. And I enjoyed myself thoroughly watching such high-level football when I didn't have to focus on the Cowboys either with them being Sunday night. Uh, that that second window was a blessing. Admittedly, if you'd have told me in the beginning of the game that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to go out and that Brock Purdy was going to come in and not only come in and look decent, but w- end up getting his first win in relief, I would have not believed you. I think... I think my future self could have come in here like in a Rick and Morty portal and said, hey, Brock Purdy's going to win this game. And I still would have uh, probably had some trouble betting on it. Even if, you know, future Taylor had been able to tell me things about me, I'd have, I'd have had trouble believing it because it just seems a little out there. But here I am and here that game went. No doubt it was uh, really sad to see Jimmy G go down the way that he did having him fight for the ball and fight to not go down and then to see his foot get crunched was pretty tough to watch. It wasn't that gruesome of an injury per se, but I just feel like I I feel for Jimmy G in those moments. I mean, he's a good looking guy who has a ton of money and plays quarterback in the NFL. So I don't feel too terribly bad for him, but at the same stroke, you know, he had that bad luck when he first got his first year, with the the team in full after having a decent start to his 49ers career, you know, he he blows out his leg and then it just seems like he hasn't really gotten a full shot at the job. They draft Trey Lance. And then, you know, it's just been a whole S show when it comes to his tenure 
And now he's going to be a free agent coming off this foot injury. The good news is I was counting the teams that should probably want a quarterback, uh, probably better than Jimmy Garoppolo, because I think he is an average level quarterback. But I was doing the counting and there's no fewer than eight teams that could use a quarterback. And there's going to be some team that whiffed on their quarterback uh, of the future. And they, you know what? They don't want to go back to the well quite that soon because they have a good team around him. You know, I can't help but think about the New York Jets in that moment. As much as I might like to see them develop a frisky Zach Wilson, who I enjoy playing the position because of his elite level escapes, I could totally see them pulling the trigger on Jimmy Garoppolo after the season if the 49ers decide to go all in on the Trey Lance situation. And since they kind of forced their own hands by giving up three first round picks to do so, I think they have to take that chance at that point. And and they tried to this year, they they hedged their bets smartly with Jimmy G, but they tried to give Trey Lance the, the reins this last year to try and get him the reps to move forward with because nothing's going to advance his career at this point, other than, you know, getting reps as a starting quarterback. But Despite all of that, here we are. The San Francisco 49ers just beat the Miami Dolphins. Despite all of that, Jimmy G's out for the year. Trey Lance is out for the year. The 49ers just keep rolling. And I'll admit, I did not know that that's who the backup was for the San Francisco 49ers having that be Brock Purdy. And uh, you know what? I, I actually, turns out I am a little bit more familiar than I would be with some of these random backups. Like I'd never heard of John Wolford before a long time ago when he came in for Jared Goff. Now I made a video that you may or may not have seen for John Wolford back in that time. But to my point, sometimes these guys will come out of the word work like a, like David Blau. How about David Blau? Never had heard, I heard of him before but I didn't watch a lot of his conference. I watched a ton of big 12 football over the years. And Purdy has been the Iowa state starter for so long that I've seen him play multiple times. And, uh, you know, so to see him come out there and be the quarterback, you know, like I said, I was a little surprised, but then again, I was like, huh, that does kind of strike me as a San Francisco 49er quarterback. And when he came out there, you know what? Cool as a cucumber. Guy did not get worked up over any of this. You have to think that having been a starter for so long for the Iowa State Cyclones, not that they were playing a whole bunch of national championship games, but it's not Big 12 football is nothing to scoff at. It's not like he was playing Division Three football or something. So the speed of the game shouldn't be terribly far off, and it didn't feel like he was incredibly overwhelmed in that sense of the game. And then he set up in an offense that's made for somebody just to manage it at this point. Like when you have Debo, Ayuk, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey out on the field, you just need to be able to distribute the ball to those guys and let them do what they need to do. I mean, that's all really that Jimmy G had been doing up until this point anyway. It's not like Jimmy G had been playing this level of quarterback where Brock Purdy has to step in and be an elite type guy. Like if you're stepping in for Joe Burrow or for Patrick Mahomes 
and you're going to make this work, you probably have to play or have the capability of playing on a level of quarterback that uh, a rookie that a guy that's just coming in from Iowa State probably isn't going to have the ability to do. But when you're replacing Jimmy G and he's really just needs to get the ball out to his guys and execute, that's something that a rookie quarterback can 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 do. And it's not too big an ask for Brock Purdy to step in and take care of that. Now, before seeing it, I would have probably said that or bet on the fact that he would have been overwhelmed and that it wouldn't have been pretty for him to step out there kind of in a, a Sam Ellinger type way. But but the difference being that Brock Purdy never had to rely on his athleticism to get by. He was more of a traditional guy, even though he wasn't uh, pushing the ball a ton and playing this elite Joe Burrow style quarterback. He was more than a game manager for them and was a leader of men out there. You could tell that his you, you don't start for four years unless you can lead guys. And of course, that feeds into your experience doing so is going through the process. One of the things that Bill Parcells used to value when it came to his draftable quarterbacks was starts in college. And you can see that having had all those starts, he's not as overwhelmed as a guy as guys typically are stepping into that type scenario. Now, I don't think that he possesses elite skills as far as the NFL goes far from it, but he's beyond the Andy Dalton line when it comes to his ability to pass. And honestly, uh, you know, they're talking about Baker Mayfield, got dropped today. I think he has a little bit more arm strength than Baker Mayfield does at this point. Baker might have more experience and might be a little bit more dynamic as far as being a playmaker goes, but you know, I'm not sure that it's a hundred percent that the 49ers, even if they do get the waiver claim at this point, because it's, it's Monday night when I'm talking about this and recording this, you'll probably be listening to it on Tuesday. Something could have absolutely happened further with Baker at that point. And, and you know what? 49ers could absolutely take a look at bringing him in. And I have to think that it might not a hundred percent have been the 49ers that Baker was thinking about, but if they weren't number one, I don't know who was. And then maybe there's some other teams that might could use him. Sure. But 49ers certainly had to be a big part of that decision tree for Baker Mayfield, but as well as Brock Purdy played today, I'm not so sure that they're going to be just uh, going out of their way to get that done. I think it'd be smart to bring him in and and at least have him be the backup to this situation. But I don't know that it's an automatic just upgrade the way that he played. Having been in the system for longer, playing within himself in a system that that's what's required of the quarterback. And I think he probably has a better deep ball at this point, which is weird to say. Baker's deep ball has not looked good to this point. And uh, Baker profiles a lot like Tua, which we'll talk about in a bit, where they they need to be like Drew Brees-like. And Baker in this last system overall, he, he, he lacked confidence, and they weren't trying to use him as an overall quarterback. They weren't playing to his strengths the way they did with the Browns and it was a disaster. I think Kyle Shanahan could get more out of Baker than they were able to in that last scenario. The question is with the time deficit that Baker would have to make up between him and Brock, 
would that end up being worth it for the 49ers overall? It's weird to think that this just this many years off Baker being the number one pick that that's the case. And I guarantee that if Baker was given the opportunity, he would look better than what he looked like in Carolina. The, the offense, the offensive line, the weapons are all tenfold better than what they have in Carolina. Maybe the offensive line is a tenfold better, but it's better by five at least. I mean, we're splitting hairs here, but still, I would be interested to see regardless. And I and hey, why not take the shot if it's if it's likely going to be pretty cheap? But a they might not get the opportunity. He still has to go through waivers at, at the time we're recording. And B, I, I just I wasn't unimpressed with the way Brock played. Once again. It'd be different if he had to be an elite guy that had to throw guys open in the light, but this is just distributing the ball to his guys and letting them do what he do, what they do. That's what he did at Iowa State. Brees Hall, David Montgomery, play behind them, play behind the running game, play behind Christian McCaffrey, and then make plays when it's required and distribute the ball out to where it needs to go. Those are things within Brock's purview And uh, granted, we may be looking at this next week and he may be an absolute disaster with someone with time to prepare for him. But the fact that the Dolphins weren't able to pull this together on the fly, the 49ers weren't running anything different. It's not like Brock came in there and was a running quarterback. He just played serviceable quarterback and it worked. And you know what? That's what the 49ers need. Why would you step outside of that with Baker if... You can get the milk for free, so to speak, with Brock Purdy. And I don't mean to make the whole San Francisco 49ers conversation about this point, which I definitely have, because they played great. They got Eric Armstead back, which made a huge difference. They were able to play their coverages with the Dolphins and make Tua very upset and off target. And yes, they did all these things to try and raise their ceiling at the quarterback position, but ultimately... That guy can be a game manager and it'll end up being on the offense and especially a dominating defense to get the job done in the end. But when you're got Christian McCaffrey and the Shanahan running game behind you, that's one of the easiest situations for a quarterback to fall into. The good news is for the 49ers, they've had a guy that has a ton of college experience that didn't seem to be overwhelmed by the moment step in and manage this game and get the 49ers the win in the end because he didn't melt down. He got the, the ball out to his guys, and 49ers have a win. Now the question will be how far can he take them ultimately, and you know, can teams put the ball in his hands and make him beat them? That'll be the question overall. It's harder to do to the 49ers than dang near any team. You know, The 49ers got all the way to the Rams, Uh, last year and got close to beating the Rams too with that type of scenario. Jimmy G has a lot more NFL experience, but once again, Purdy's close enough that I'm at least interested. And I think they can at least keep it going without him. On the other side of the ball, it was a, a tough day for the Miami Dolphins. You know, they made some big plays. They made the the play up front at the very beginning that was startling, to say the least, getting that touchdown on the very first snap. And then later on, you know, with the big play to Tyreek, that was also a beautifully thrown ball that they've been getting off all season with this deep ball to Tyreek. And 
he made some other plays that I thought were pretty impressive throughout the day, making adjustments on throws. But for him, for Jalen, for the rest of the team, it was a tough day trying to catch the ball. And it wasn't because the 49ers were playing tough and jarring the ball loose a whole bunch either. It was really weird to see how off target Tua was in this game when up until this point, he had been completely on target and had been deadly accurate. He still made some of those throws and the, and, the, and the like, but it was fewer and far between, especially early on. And not all of them felt like he was being dragged down at the time of the throw either. He just looked very uncomfortable. He looked to be pressing like he was going, he was trying too hard and he wanted the win too much, which you want your guys to really want it, right? But not at the expense of putting nearly everything high. Like he just was overthrowing everything. And it felt like the moment got to him at that point. And I have to say that part of that was not having some of his guys out on the field, like not having your bookends and one of your guards, that's going to create problems for everybody especially when you're playing Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead's back on the field, et cetera. And then you've got Fred Warner and the rest of the secondary out there playing their zones and the like. And yeah, should be tough. 49ers defense is tough. And that's one of the reasons that I think they're going to be a tough out later on Baker Mayfield or Brock Purdy be damned. But it was disheartening to see the Miami Dolphins get pinned in the way they did. There was always a chance of that with the mentor-mentee thing between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniels. But if Tua would have been on the money the way he had been for more of the season, it feels like this game could have absolutely gone differently. It was the first time all season that the game felt bigger than what Tua was capable of handling. And it hurts me to say that because he had been so good in these moments and he had been really showing an increase in his intelligence level when it comes to throwing the football around. But I think that playing a game against a team that knows what you want to do and what you're capable of doing so well, and then you lose three linemen, you can't run the ball with any sort of consistency that that hasn't been the case for most of the season. So you put all these things together and you get a win for the San Francisco 49ers without their starting QB. The question will be for Tua is how do how does he come back from this? Does he right his mistakes? Does he learn to play with that additional adrenaline? Or is this going to be a Kirk Cousins things where he gets under the bright lights, he gets into a big game, and his butthole puckers a little bit, and uh, he doesn't make those plays? My dad would gamble when he would play golf uh, literally every time he would play and some people just couldn't play with the group because they were fine when they were just playing for the love of the game. But once that money got on the line and they had to putt, they couldn't do it. They would overthink it. They would let the adrenaline, let the additional pressure get to them and they would put the ball off to the right or whatever it would be during those times Tua traditionally hasn't been that guy feels like an outlier it feels like Tua being flustered and being run around a little bit that made this happen because he ended up making some good throws down the stretch like 
Yeah, okay, not the very end. But, I mean, the Tyreek touchdown, there was some throws on the money. I saw some traditional to it. It just wasn't consistent at all. And then they were doing a good job of getting him off his mark. It did more to affect him than I would have thought previously. The good news for the Dolphins, he survived the game, and it wasn't a total loss. There were plays to be made there that he made, but it was a disappointment overall that the game didn't go better when it started with that huge touchdown up front that was so startling. And this is a tough game for me, too. I, I, I want you to know, I, I, I don't watch this game, and I and I'm if I'm at all critical of anyone in it, I love all these guys here. I mean, I'm not a Brock Purdy is a top 15 guy, but the the schemes, the teams, I'm a big fan. I love watching the way that they craft offense, the way that they they play defense on both sides too. It's it's been interesting and fun for these guys to have control of their teams and to be able to schematically put offenses the way that they do out there. But the fact that McDaniel's and their offense was so disjointed and all over the place it is a little disappointing in what feels like their first run up against a really big time defense and not many teams are going to be able to pressure and play the Dolphins the way that the 49ers were able to at this point not everybody can stretch their zones and be able to rush the way that the 49ers can but I had higher expectations for the Dolphins offense and you know if Tua just puts some, some more passes on a chest level instead of both arms above your head jumping level then we're probably not even talking about this we're talking about the the Miami Dolphins pulled this out and got over on a team that didn't have their quarterback but that's the thing Tua was offline you were able to fluster him and get him off of his spots and maybe it took an inside knowledge of the offense from a mentor to get that done. And from a guy in D'Amico Ryan's that has been on the other side of Mike McDaniels, you know, every day for however many years. And, and that's what it took to stop the offense and get Mike off his mark. There are, is a lot more film on the team now. And and you, and now we we've got a game plan on film for other teams to study, to see, okay, how did they get to a office mark? And maybe they can replicate, that game plan. Now it'll be on Miami to see if they can kind of turn the corner and show that they have another pitch outside of what they've been throwing so far. And to be clear, most teams can't do what the 49ers can do on defense, which is what makes them special and makes them still a contender, even though we know Jimmy G is out for the year. But I like this offense and I like Tua to the point where I expect them to get over that. And once again, had those passes just been lower, we might not be talking about this at all. So I'm going to stop belaboring the point. I'm going to let that be the end of my thoughts on these games. I know it's a lot of quarterback talk. We didn't get as much into the weeds of the game, but that was the important parts of this game was how did those things look and what are they going to look like going forward? So I appreciate you sticking with me. If you haven't done so, download the podcast. Let me know that you're here and listening. If you're on the YouTube format, like and subscribe to get more content. I'm going to have a bunch more videos coming out this week. There was a ton of highlight stuff that happened that I want to comment on via the shorts, via the longer form videos for look for those to come out. I appreciate you taking the time to listen today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.